Is karma a natural law or is it something determined by the social, cultural and religious rules and regulations that are imposed on us? This is something a lot of people get wrong because they think of karma as something that is determined by the ethics and morality of some sort of form of external governance, no matter whether that is religious, cultural or social. A lot of people equate karma to what sort of rules and regulations are imposed on us from some sort of form of external governance or agency. Now, this is a big problem when we think about karma in the spiritual sense and we, when we want to understand what karma truly is. Now, if you want a deeper understanding of what karma actually is, then I suggest going over and watching my episode on karma. I'll leave a link in the description which unpacks the nature of karma, but today we are going to unpack karma here to see if it is related to some sort of rules and regulations that we need to follow according to some sort of tradition, or is it a natural law that is inherent to all of us? So I will explain karma briefly here. And <clears throat> when a lot of people think about karma, they think about cause and effect. Now that kind of translation is not far off, but it's also not completely true. When we think of karma, we have to look at its root, kri, which means action. It actually just means action. So when we're talking about karma in the sense of the ancient scriptures and the ancient knowledge of karma, we are really talking about the yoga of action. So what that means is inherent in all of our actions is the results of the future. Now, I know you may say, well, that's kind of cause and effect. But what I'm saying is dwelling within our action is the seed of the results in everything that we do. So it's kind of cause and effect, but it's also not technically cause and effect because we're not talking about that, you know, you need to do good things to receive a good reward in the future. We're not kind of talking about rewards and punishment here where this is where a lot of people get confused because they think about karma in the sense of reward and punishment. Karma is not linked to reward and punishment. This is something that people need to think about. I remember talking to one of my Catholic friends and we were talking about the concept of karma and he would always be frightened because you know he had his, his uh, Catholic training and he, he really feared God. And so the idea of karma really worried him because you know maybe he was doing things in his life that weren't beneficial for the future and he probably thought that he was going to be punished you know, according to his God. But basically karma is about purifying your actions instead of expecting rewards. This is very important. It's about purifying our actions to be better in the world. And also we should not expect any sort of reward just because our actions are pure. So this is important to remember because when you think about it's just about purifying our actions then it comes down to that there actually is no good or bad karma. There is just karma. There is just action. So a lot of people are confused about this because they think that there's actually such a thing as good or bad karma. We might be able to say that there is such a thing as maybe positive or negative karma. And I know we're getting into semantics here, but there is a difference because usually good and bad are usually equated to what the society thinks is good or bad or what you personally think is good or bad, but that might not be good or bad to somebody else. 
So I'll talk about that a little bit later, but you need to remember there is no such thing as good or bad karma. There's just action. There is just karma and we need to purify our actions to be effective in the world. In purifying your action, you naturally become a better person without seeking reward for naturally being good. We see that a lot of this in the world. A lot of people want some sort of reward for their good deeds and so forth and so on. But basically karma, especially from the yogic perspective, is just about purifying your actions. Also from a Vedantic perspective, is about purifying your actions. And when we're talking about this, we're talking about that your life is your own making when we're talking about karma. Your life is your own making. Now, in the other video I talked about that I recommend you go and watch, you know, I, I sort of unpack this a little bit from a yogic and Vedantic perspective because, you know, we have to talk a little bit about predeterminism and so forth and so on when we're talking about your life is your own making. But to stay on topic for this video, then we have to think about karma in the sense of your life is your own making. And so all of your actions are going to be the life that you're going to live, basically. So the important thing about the yoga of action is to purify your actions to experience the life that is waiting for you. So what is this main confusion people have about karma? The confusion with karma stems from basing it on the ethics and morality imposed on us by religion, society, and culture. This is where the confusion arises. Karma is somewhat infected by this monarchical view of this Lord or God governing and over us and judging us for our sins and so forth and so on. Even in India, it's a little bit infected with this uh, monarchical view, which is a big problem because this kind of veering away from what actually karma is. This is where we get into reward and punishment, see? We get into reward and punishment when we impose a monarchical view on the concept of karma. And this is where a lot of the problems arise because then we start to think about we are punished for our sins rather than we are punished by our sins and so forth and so on. So this is a problem. And this monarchical view, as a lot of you may know from watching a lot of my videos, is that the monarchical view is this idea of this lord or this being or some sort of entity lording it over us and governing us and watching her every step and, you know, judging us and, you know, condemning us and rewarding us and all of this. And so this is a very unintelligent perspective according to the East. And that's why I need to get into this topic because karma arose in the East. It was not born in the West. And so from an Eastern perspective, this idea of the monarchical view is, is really ridiculous because in the East, you are connected to the source of the universe. You are not separate. This is one of the problems in the Abrahamic religions where God and man are separate. They're, they are not connected. And so, as you know, in the East, the Atman is Brahman. So the Atman being the undifferentiated consciousness within each and every one of us is connected to the Brahman, the ultimate reality of the universe. And this is why in the Tao Te Ching it says, the Tao loves and nourishes all but does not lord it over them. So this is a different mentality about our relationship to the universe. And from the Eastern perspective, we actually belong to the universe and are not separate from it. And in saying that, we're not separate from the Godhead, not separate from the Tao, the Brahman, 
the Dharmakaya, call it whatever you will. Now, one of the problems with basing karma on some sort of external governance is that which external governance is more right than any other? This is one of the big problems. So a lot of people think about karma, they think about right and wrong. And as I've said, this is the wrong mentality to think about karma. But when we do think about karma and we do think about right and wrong, which system is it based on? Are we basing this on Hindu beliefs? Are we basing this on Christian beliefs? Are we basing this on democracy? Are we basing this on communism? Are we basing this on Islam? Like what system of belief does this right and wrong system of karma relate to? This is where it gets tricky and this is where you can obviously expose people's lack of understanding of karma and how it is not related to a certain external governance. One of the things which is hard for a lot of us to accept is there is no definite right and wrong in the world. And a lot of people disagree with this statement, but there is no definite right and wrong in the world. This is actually a, a gray area when we think about it. Because right and wrong according to who and according to what tradition? This is the problem. I'll explain this in a little more depth in a moment, but we need to really think about that. We need to think about there is no definite right or wrong in the world. And if there is a right and wrong in the world, according to who? According to the Christians, according to the Hindus, according to democracy, according to your grandma. <laughs> you know, this is the gray area that we, we have when we think about things such as karma, when we talk about deeper topics like this. Obviously, this is a problem in the world because when we have like one culture or one religion or, you know, one nation thinking that they're more right than others, then we have the conflict we have. And this is what, when we understand karma deeply, karma can teach us how to overcome this hypnosis. And so this is the problem with relating karma to external governance because it cannot be related to external governance. Karma is not an external principle. It has nothing to do with externality. It is not an external principle. It is something intrinsic and it is also natural. This is what we need to understand. Karma is intrinsic and natural. So karma has nothing to do with some sort of external ethics and morality. Karma is the intrinsic moral imperative we all have within us. So karma is our intrinsic moral imperative. It has nothing to do with external governance, nor does it have anything to do with some God deciding whether your actions are good or bad, which are usually based on the ethics and morality of society, religion, and culture, which makes no sense in the end when, when you understand that those ethics and those rules and regulations are man-made and not divine. So it's kind of strange when we relate the way God decides if we are good or bad based on our own rules and regulations. You see how it's kind of ironic? To understand karma as our intrinsic moral imperative, we need to think of the great sage Mencius. Now, what we need to think of Mencius is, is Mencius has a wonderful story about explaining how we are fundamentally good. Now, he uses this story of a boy and a well. So the boy is close to a well, right? The well is there, and the boy is fetching water for the village. And Mencius does a little thought experiment with us here where he says, imagine that the boy is lifting a heavy bucket of water, 
and it's too heavy and it starts to begin to fall in the well, what is your natural instinct? What happens? What kicks in? Naturally, we want to save the boy, all of us. It kicks in. There's no need for thought or premeditation. There's no thought to debate this. Instantly, it's a gut feeling. You have to save that child from falling into the well. And this is one of Mencius's stories to explain that we are fundamentally good deep down and that that nature, that nature, that naturalness, that goodness is what is related to karma. That's the field that karma resides on. So we are naturally good, but all of this socialization eclipses this natural goodness, which is kind of ironic because we have all of these rules and regulations within society, but they often warp a person's pure nature from birth. And then we're all wrapped up in, you know, suffering and so forth and so on. And then we continue to probably experience negative karma down the track because we've lost contact with that natural goodness. And that is where that that's the field of where karma exists and that natural law, that naturalness, as opposed to something that is imposed upon us. It is something that is intrinsic with us instead. So from listening to that story of Mencius, this is where our actions should reside from that natural place. Your actions should not be determined by the rules and regulations of society. Though, sure, there are some rules and regulations, of course, we have to follow, let's not get stupid, but they should not be determined by them. And I'll explain that a little bit later, but the point here in the moment is that our karma is a natural phenomenon. It's not something that society puts on you and says, if you do this and you do that, then you will experience good karma in the future. And as we know, we see lots of people in the world who are good people who experience negative karma or they have negative experiences. And, you know, a lot of new age people and that try to wax lyrical and say, oh, it must be their past life and so forth and so on. And, you know, we don't want to really get into that field where we start, you know, labeling people's experiences, negative experiences as karmic stock that they've uh, accumulated from past lives as if we are above them. So in saying all that about mentors and this natural goodness, karma then is more about our intention, not whether a social rule is acceptable or not. It's more about our intention. If your intention is harmful, you will reap what you sow, either psychologically or physically. There is no doubt about that. That's what you have to think about. It's we're talking about the field of intention here. But again, we, we can't co-mingle this intention with what society, religion, and culture think is right or wrong. It has to remain on a natural basis. And what I mean by this is there are circumstances that maybe society don't agree with, but naturally in the moment, that is what was right and what was needed. And I'll give you a few examples about that. My first example is a married couple. So let's think about a married couple, right? And one of them cheats on the other. Now, karma exists here because that couple, that married couple, had made a commitment to each other to be faithful. Now, this is not in support of monogamy. It's just stating that the karma there accumulated by the individual who cheats is based on that 
Their intention in this relationship was to be faithful and to remain committed to the other individual, unless there was some sort of, you know, uh, mutual agreement about it. But let's say that there wasn't a mutual agreement and the other person just cheated on the other person, and then there's going to be an accumulation of karma from the one who cheated. This is how karma works naturally through our intention. So that's one example. Another example is picture someone who is starving and alone in a forest. Okay, picture them. They're alone and starving in the forest. And then they come across an animal. And, you know, their only way to survive is to kill that animal, is to take its life so that they can live. Now, what is needed in that moment is for that individual to kill the animal and for them to survive. Should they accumulate any karma from that experience? Of course not, because what was needed and what was natural and the intended purpose of that moment was for them to survive. The universe was not throwing up a game of ethics and morality for them. No, the universe is saying, here's food. You need to eat food to survive. Eat. <laughs> and so they eat, they feast, have a feast. They have food for weeks, maybe, who knows? So no comic stock would be accumulated in this experience because the individual did what was just needed in that moment. And there was no time for moral debates about whether killing animals is good or not. And I'm not implying in this example that eating meat is wrong or being a vegetarian is more noble than a meat eater. These are, you know, immature debates that we'll leave for other people. But the example is what it is. It's about what is needed in that moment and what is natural in that moment to survive. And so put yourself in their situation. What would you do? Even the most ardent vegan. <laughs> and, you know, we, we know what we would all do, you know, because you could either choose death or choose life. And humans are on average pro-life. And another thing that I should mention in relation to that last example is that there should be no guilt for choosing an action that was necessary in right in that present moment. What is right always changes according to the circumstances we experience. That's what we need to think about. This confusion with right and wrong is something that's implanted in us by some sort of form of external governance. But what is right in each and every moment changes, as was the case with the, with the man starving in the forest. Our feeling of guilt actually can be an artificial feeling. And this is something that we don't think about. This is getting on a deeper level. It can be an artificial feeling because your guilt should not be determined by some sort of form of external governance, no matter whether that is religious, social, or cultural. But your guilt should be based on how you feel inside based on your intrinsic moral imperative that we all have. That's how we should actually feel guilt. It should not be determined by things that are implanted in our mind. It should be something that comes from our own naturalness. So in unpacking all of that, I hope you guys truly understand that karma is not based on some sort of external rules and regulations or ethics that are imposed on us, as I've explained over and over again through this video. And I don't even care what it is, what external form of governance, no matter whether it's your religion or some sort of culture you are a part of, it doesn't matter. If they are imposing rules on you 
to keep that doctrinal belief or that belief system alive within that tradition, then that's fundamentally wrong because karma is a natural base system. It is not a external system devised by some sort of external form of governance. It doesn't work that way. Karma is a natural phenomenon. And we have to remember that when we, even when we talk about Sanatana Dharma, so when we talk about Hinduism, where karma originates, is that the Sanatana Dharma is the natural way. It's the natural law of the universe. It's not something that is an organized religion that's imposed on someone. This is again how again how Hinduism in some sense is related to Taoism because they follow the natural path, the natural way. You only have to look at Shaivism for a good example of that. So karma in the end is an intrinsic principle we all experience and it's not determined by some sort of external governance or agency. It's an intrinsic principle. And when we begin to understand that, we'll begin to then purify our actions to live in a world that you and I all deserve. But we all have to make that choice now to become conscious of ourselves and to move forward into a life that is awaiting us. Shanti, shanti, shanti.